I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation's Get to College program. Based in South Haven, Jackson, and Ocean Springs, Get to College advisors help students and families plan and pay for college. Learn more at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, April 4th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, civil rights veteran Charles Evers speaks on the life and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, that's where we were, and Mom just nonviolent. He loved me as a brother, and I loved him. And that was one of the worst things ever happened to me other than medical when they killed Martin. Then, an update on justice reform laws in the state. Will the governor sign or change in the system? And we'll hear expert advice on renewing weight loss efforts now that the new year is gone and summer is just around the corner. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Today marks the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Those who remember King say he was a powerful speaker and an agent for change. Charles Evers is a civil rights veteran and the brother of late activist Medgar Evers. He says he and Medgar met King in the early 60s. The three often worked together as state and national representatives of the NAACP. MPB's Ashley Norwood sits down with him to discuss his memories of King and his dream of freedom and equality for all. Any Negro at that time were, were denied equal rights, and we want equal rights, that's all. What was Mississippi like at the time? I know you say, you know, he was he was fighting on behalf of Alabama and you all on behalf of Mississippi, but together it was this equal fight. Why do you think he felt it was important to come over to Mississippi? The movement was all over the country. Racism was bigotry in New York, California. So we were in the South, were more subject to violent bigotry. And mine was out of Alabama and Metcon in Mississippi. And somehow the two organizations started fighting against bigotry and racism. And Martin became very powerful, and uh, he became sort of like our leader, and he began to go in different states, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, all over. And that's how he became the national leader, because he didn't... Medgar and I stayed in Mississippi, more or less, and Martin was all over. And uh, he loved me as a brother, and I loved him. And uh, that was one of the worst things ever happened to me other than Medgar when they killed Martin. Tell me about that moment when, when you found out he was murdered. What were you doing and 
How did that affect you? I was headed to a Natchez to a rally, and my office called me. I thought I'll hear the NACP and this will make it been killed. And my secretary told me, said, Mr. Davis said, they shot Dr. King. I thought, what? And I turned around between Natchez and Fayette, and I drove straight to Memphis. And I stayed with him all the way until they go to bury him. It was a terrible thing. And first of all, why would you kill a man because he wouldn't be free? I, I, I don't stand it to this day. Why I don't like you because you're black or white? And I got to know what you color your skin. How do you treat me? Do you ever feel that um, your family's sacrifice is ever overshadowed by Martin Luther King's legacy at all? Oh, no, it wouldn't be in that. No. We all fight for the same thing. So our grandchildren will have the right you have. And look, look how far we've come. In one sentence, how would you describe the legacy of people like Martin and Mecker? I guess there's only one way to describe it. We want to be free and equal. That's all. No more, no less. Just be free and equal to do like everyone else and enjoy everything everyone else. Go to any hotel, as I keep repeating, any restaurant, uh, get a job anywhere we qualify, go to the best schools, um, drive any kind of automobile we want to without, and because of uh, the color of our skin, we couldn't. Uh, I remember, I'm an take about trade, and we, were, and we used to have nice cars in the field, but we had to park our car on the back. We couldn't park. My dad and granddad and uncle couldn't park our cars and our horses on the main street of Decatur. That's where I'm from, our forest. Uh, we had one here in, uh, down in Mount Olive where I met my wife. Um, we couldn't park a car, but we're away from that now. And we can park anywhere we please, own anything you want to own. You got to want to do it. And black folks, main thing I like to say black folks, stop hating. Learn to love and respect. And, and not always finding thought of each other negative, nothing positive. It's in our hand now. We can either be, be free and go up or we're going to stay nothing going down. And that's why young people like you and others, you have the future of our race. I mean, not you personally, I mean, yeah, you part of it. Where are we going to be in this country? It's your people like you and others who are going to make it that. I'm 95 years old now, you know, and, and how much more time do I have at the most? At the most, I might have five years, I doubt that. But at the most, I can have five. So it's up to people like you and my grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We try to make it possible where they can go on and do things and have things and be equal to everyone else, but it's up to you all to do it. Charles Evers, civil rights veteran and the brother of the late civil rights icon, Maker Evers, thank you so much for your time. Well, you're quite welcome. Evers will be 96 this year. Martin Luther King Jr. was shot and killed in Memphis, Tennessee in 1968. Coming up, an update on justice reform laws in the state. Will the governor sign on changes in the system? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On the next Fresh Air. Be heard. The world can take it. We talk with Mark Oliver Everett. His band Eels has a new album. Many of his songs are about depression, including songs about his sister who took her life. Eel's record Fresh Blood was the theme for the HBO series The Jinx. Join us. Today at 3 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
two Mississippi bills could change justice reform for Mississippians. House Bill 387 does away with debtor's prison and takes effect in Mississippi on July 1st. Senate Bill 2841 would allow those arrested with a small amount of a controlled substance, such as marijuana, to pay a fine and avoid a driver's license suspension. It awaits Governor Phil Bryant's signature or veto. Democratic Senator Juan Barnett of Heidelberg authored SB 2841, which would also allow model prisoners to petition the courts to have their sentences reduced and provide 90-day hardship waivers. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier why he brought the issue forward. Individuals who are potentially caught with small amounts of marijuana, you know, will not have their driver's license suspended, but they will, you know, have to pay a fine for it. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, we're in the defense of, of legalizing drugs and those type of things. But we have to understand that, you know, yes, children do use, some children will experiment, maybe a one-time deal, and then they're done with it. So I just don't feel like we should punish even college students, um, you know, with something like that, uh, with penalties so deep as to taking their driver's license, things like that. Sometimes I think if people are fine, I think that's punishment enough to let them know that, hey, it could have been worse and that's the last time they may indulge in something like that. So I think that will help out some. Um, also part of that bill is to say, you know, if an individual is incarcerated for X number of years and this individual is, is a model prisoner and doing what he or she should be doing according to the law, they can go back and petition the courts again to have those sentences reduced. Uh, as well as um, I, I think that when the individual has has admitted that they, they do have a drug problem and they're you know sentenced to drug court, then I don't think that asking the individual to just quit cold turkey is always the right um, recipe. I guess I could say to kind of fix it. I think that they need other medications in lieu of getting off the ones that they're on, and along with drug court. Uh, the other thing that stands out is the fact that uh, when individuals um, uh, or released from jail. Uh, I think that we need to allow them some time to get on their feet before they start to pay in their co- probation officers and seeing others. I think 90 days is an adequate amount of time to allow somebody to get a job to where they can start because, you know, we have to realize that, that even when individuals get out, a lot of their financial hardship still falls upon those families. And sometimes the families are not in are not in financial shape to help them pay whatever it is they have to pay those probation off. So I think that we need to grant them a little bit more time for them to be able to do. And this is not all the bill. These are just, I mean, this is not the entire bill. This is just some of the things that sticks out uh, in, the v, in the bill. And hopefully that uh, it will make it through this conference process. Um, I feel real good about it. And uh, hopefully that, you know, when it does, then the governor I uh, will sign off on it as well. You know, there's other legislation that's already headed to the governors in the form of reentry and that type of thing, like House Bill 357. So I think this year, you know, we have really done a lot to, in the state of Mississippi, to show people that, hey, you know, we can forgive in the state of Mississippi. When you started thinking about this bill, what were your concerns? What generated the passion to write it? I've shared this story some. But 1991, while I was defending our country, my dad was killed. And for a long time, I just thought that if anybody did any type of crime, regardless of what it was, I just felt like they were just guilty. I was just angry like that. 
But I also realized that by me holding in all this anger and, and not being able to forgive anything like this, it didn't hurt the other individual. It only hurt me. And I just, you know, once I was able to forgive, then I felt like I was able to do other things in life. And I just think that sometimes, you know, we just have to look within ourselves and find within ourselves ways to forgive others so that not only can we move on, but they can too. I think people need to really understand that, you know, there's a lot of times when things come up around the capital and the first thing that we throw into play is the Bible. I think, you know, if we're going to throw it out there, then we ought to live by it sometime. So you're saying that we as Mississippians need to be more thoughtful about what happens to people that commit crimes and how they're handled in the system? Exactly. Um, You know, when I can live with the fact that my father was taken away from me while I was defending my country, which is probably the most violent crime that can ever be committed, and what I'm trying to help people out is not nearly... It doesn't live up to that, but I just think that, you know, we have to some kind of way find ways to get. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm advocating for all and any kind of crimes. That I'm not doing. But I think that sometimes, you know, on some smaller crimes and things, that we have to be able to give people a second chance on life. And um, I think when we began to do these type of things, we, we would start to see a reduce in crime, a reduce uh, and, and people returning to prison and all type of thing because of the fact that, hey, we give them a second chance, and I think some of them would take advantage of that and use it to their, to their own benefit. And I think those are the kind of things that we need to look forward to when we talk about growing our state. You, don't, you know, I think we should look at everything when we want to grow the state of Mississippi. Well, Senator Barnett, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. The governor's office says he will carefully review SB 2841 before making a decision. Governor Bryant has signed the other bill, House Bill 387. Some Mississippi cities have been sued for putting people in jail regardless of their inability to pay traffic tickets, other fines, and court costs. Beginning July 1st, a hearing must first be held to determine a person's ability to pay. House Democrat Kabir Karim of Columbus co-authored the bill. Well, anytime we can make progress in the efforts for reforming the criminal justice system here in the state of Mississippi, uh, it's a plus. And, um, you know, folks don't have a voice as it relates to people that have been formerly incarcerated. So, you know, it's a plethora of things in this bill that addresses uh, individuals that have been formerly incarcerated, uh, from the driver's license to uh, not being able to uh, pay their fines or their debt still occurring while they're trying to pay their parole officers and so on and so forth. So I'm real, real glad about this bipartisan bill, and I'm happy to be a co-sponsor of the bill. So there really is a need. Well, it's the second time that this particular piece of legislation has been before both chambers. The original bill last session was House Bill 1033 that was vetoed by the governor at the end of during the summer because of some technical errors in the bill. So it's the same identical bill. We've been down this road before, and uh, with the grace of God and the stroke of the pen, we hope that it becomes law. Representative Kabir Kareem with our Desiree Frazier. The bill has bipartisan support. Republican Representative Dan Eubanks of Walls says some do need a second chance. 
I was for the bill. I voted for it. Um, if you look, one of the key litmuses or determining factors of whether somebody who, who um, has, say, gotten out of prison stays out of prison is whether they get a job or not. A, a job, having a job, a full-time job, is a key indicator of whether or not a person is more likely to have drug issues or to commit crimes uh, or for the family to stay together. So, so to make it hard on people that are coming out of prison to find work, you pretty much sign their sentence to wind up back in prison. So I think it's a move in the right direction. Um, you know, I think people, some people do need a second chance, and if they paid their debt to society for, for any kind of crime that they committed, um, we should give people the opportunity and the incentive to give them a second chance. Representative Dan Eubanks. Coming up, we'll hear expert advice on renewing weight loss efforts now that the new year is gone and summer is just around the corner. That's after a Southern Remedy Health Minute. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Hi, this is Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and you're listening to a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Why is it so much harder to lose the belly fat when you get a little older? So you think about kids. Kids are always moving, and so they're constantly burning calories when they do that. As we get older, we just naturally become less active. You know, the majority of our jobs are sedentary-type jobs, so we burn less calories during the day. But we didn't really change our diet. You know, we we ate a lot of stuff when we were kids, and we never gained any weight. We have become less active, but our diet did not shift down with that. For more health tips and medical info, tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. It's good to be blue. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippians who set weight loss goals for 2018 still have time to reach their goals, even if some have gotten off course. That's according to health professional Josie Bidwell. She's associate professor of nursing and preventative medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She says there's still plenty of time left in the year to get back on the fitness wagon, but that doesn't mean every decision should be tied to the month or year. She tells MPB's Ezra Wall more. Don't think of it in terms of calendars. Just think of it in terms of of days. And every day that we take a step toward a healthier lifestyle is going to be a win, regardless of whether that's January 1 or whether that's December 31st or whether it's any day in the middle of that. When we make a decision to be healthier, we're going to have better health benefits. I hear people over and over again when they stop their diet or they fall prey to some kind of temptation or they stop exercising, they get all into this psychological stuff about how I'm addicted to this and Mm -hmm. it's just so hard to say no to this. And is there a way to sort of combat that negative uh, monologue that's going on in our brain? There is. You know, what I encourage folks to do is make a list of the things that are keeping them from either making a, you know, a nutritional change or making an exercise plan, you know, why can't I? And then also make a good thing that says, but if I did, this is what 
the outcome could be. And then make a plan to be able to move from I can't do this to I could do this. So if it's, let's say it's time, because that's the thing I hear a lot. I don't have time to exercise. I hear that. But let's look at it. We're talking about 30 minutes a day. Right? And it doesn't have to all be at one time. So make a plan to do three 10-minute sessions. You know, get up 10 minutes earlier, take 10 minutes of your lunch, and then 10 minutes when you get home. And schedule that time just like you would schedule a meeting or an appointment because it's just that important that we get up and get moving. Another thing is on the, on the food side of it. I think most people have at least something in their mind that is healthy that they know they wouldn't mind eating from time to time. They go home, they make that with every intention of doing that like seven meals a day forever. And all of a sudden, oh, my God, that wasn't enough food and I'm hungry mm-hmm. later. Right. And now it's eight o'clock at night and I know I can't make it all night. I need something right now. Right. And then comes the pizza. One thing is stocking your cabinets with things that are going to fill you up without blowing all the calories. So, you know, don't bring in chips and frozen foods and pizzas and ice cream and cookies and that kind of stuff. Stock your cabinet with nuts and fruits and even dried fruits and whole grain cereals and things like that that you can munch on that are not going to be horrible for you. You know, there's no reason to go jump from one extreme. I made a super healthy meal. I'm still hungry. Now let me get the pizza and some ice cream, you know. So we've got to set ourselves up for success with that. A lot of people try to incorporate technology into what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They use uh, apps to track their diet and their, you know, their meals. They're using, you know, wearable devices to track their exercise. What kind of assistive technology have you seen people use with success? Anything that keeps track of um, what you're eating is a, a good tool. So before technology, before we had all this wearable tech and you know a phone at our fingertips, I used to teach people to do food diary. Um, I still keep a food diary on paper. Um, I like the act of writing it down and totaling it up and all of that kind of stuff. But that is one of the quickest ways for folks to realize how much they're consuming that they may not realize. You know, I hear folks say all the time, I just don't understand why, you know, I don't lose weight or I keep gaining weight. I don't feel like I'm eating that much. But when you add up all the little licks and nibbles and bites and that go throughout the day, it's a bunch of calories that you didn't really realize you were consuming. So writing that down to start with before you ever make a healthy change is very eye-opening as to this is how many calories I was, was eating. And then using some of this tech to set a goal which it has built-in algorithms for. So you put in what your current weight is, how much you want to lose, how quickly you want to lose it, and it'll set a calorie goal for you. And then you enter your food in, and it keeps a running tally. So at the end of the day, you know what's what. And so, you know, I don't use the tech every day, um, and I don't even tell my my patients that they have to use it every day, but it's good for a two- to three-week period of time so that you start to understand the calories that are associated with some of the more common foods that you're eating. And you can then make a conscious decision about whether I'm going to eat that or not. That takes it out of the mindlessness and into this is actually an educated decision I made about whether I'm going to eat that cookie. There's a tendency to cut ourselves breaks that Mm -hmm. we wouldn't cut for other people. How can I overcome that? That is part of just having a real frank understanding with yourself that if I want to see results... I've got to give it my all, and that includes putting in – I had 
three M&Ms today. You know, you got to put all of that stuff in there. And the way I look at it is you can't know where you need to go if you don't know where you're starting from. So, you know, there's no need in, in doing any of this if we're not going to do it a hundred percent of the way. You know, it may be that you want to have a buddy on there. You know, a good thing with some of these tech platforms is that you can, it has a social media part built into it. And so you can have a, a buddy that you share your food diary with and they can hold you accountable to that. Like, I know you need to have a cup of that. What did you really eat today? You know, that kind of stuff um, to give you a lot of feedback on that and support on that because there's no need to lie to yourself. You know, you should be completely honest with yourself. And if you choose to eat a cup and a half of it, you ate a cup and a half of it. And then you'll be able to see how that related to the number on the scale or how well you felt that day or what your blood pressure readings were. And then when you start to make some of those better changes or you're going to see better numbers associated with that. And it's kind of a building a self-efficacy type of, of pattern. Dr. Josie Bidwell is Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. You can hear her each and every week here on MPB Think Radio on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Josie, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10, it's Saturday Tech. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.ms.